Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rebel High Command Cast, an Imperial Assault podcast for 2023 and beyond. This podcast is hosted by the IA Command YouTube channel and is sponsored by listeners like you through Patreon. If you want to support new IA content in 2023, head over to patreon.com slash IA Command and become a patron today. This is episode number 14. I am your solo host, The Second Flock, a.k.a. Wesley, as Noah is taking a bit of a break this week. On today's episode, I have a special guest with me through Urkman, a.k.a. Brandon. Uh, we're going to be interviewing Brandon to get a take of a newer player to the IACP format. So, hey, Brandon, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you doing? Good. Doing good. Um, do you have any plugs for us? Anything you, you want to send out to the people watching this? I, I have a Patreon where I make cool video game stuff. Uh, ICP people might not be interested, but uh, we'll plug it in the video description. We'll plug it in the video description, and I've actually pulled up the link you sent me earlier. Uh, that's Earn Command's Patreon, correct? Yeah. Yep, so if you want to head over to patreon.com slash earncommand, uh, he does tons of minis for things like Dragon Ball and Pokemon. I've got something on the screen here. I don't think you've dipped into the Star Wars realm, though. Is that correct? Yeah, mostly just uh, doing these JRPG stuff from from our childhood. My childhood. I don't know what the average age of the average ACP user is, but yeah, it's fun for me. All right, well, if you want to take a look there, go ahead. And I think you do do community polls and everything, so maybe if you get a sudden influx of a 1,000 IACP users, uh, they could sway some of your models. <laughs> If any of you guys are interested in Pokemon, all my Pokemon models are free. Go ahead and enjoy those. Ah, that, that's a great advertisement <laughs> to get the people over there. Okay, so I know you haven't been on uh, the show before, so we are going to go through a couple of sections uh, that we normally do, and then we'll get into the main topic, which is focused on an interview with you today. Cool. So we're going to start with uh, community updates. So first up, we have the IACP tournament at Adepticon 2023 is still taking sign-ups. Uh, Adepticon registration in general closes on February 28th, so make sure you sign up at Adepticon.org. And Adepticon is taking place in Illinois, uh, Schwamberg, I guess I cannot pronounce that, uh, and it's taking place from March 22nd through the 26th. I pulled up Adepticon for the people watching on YouTube here, just the site. And if you go to the events page and search through the many, many events they have under info, there you will eventually find the Imperial Assaults uh, game. I think it's under category. You can find Star Wars. All right, moving on. The Community Makes a Card contest is wrapping up its second week of voting, where we were deciding whether our community card is to be a command card or a skirmish upgrade. As a reminder, this card will be included in the IACP Season 8 and is being developed by the community coming together to vote on each aspect of it, from the effect text to the overall concept, to the art, to the name of the card, uh, the uniqueness and cost, and so on. By the time this podcast episode goes up, Round 2 will have been wrapped up, uh, and we should be in Week 3 where we'll work on the card's ability text and the meat and potatoes of what it will be and how it will function. This event is a nine-week process, so if you're catching this episode within about a month or a month and a half of its release, you can still head over to the IA Board Game Geek forums 
And find the most recent Create a Card Contest post to take part in the formation of this new IACP Season 8 card designed by you, the community. Event signups for IACP can regularly be found at challenge.com slash community slash IACP. I bring this up because we're currently doing signups for the third Season 7 Competitive League, and it will be underway starting February 6th, which is tomorrow as of the time of this recording. Now, I'm not an official spokesperson or anything, but I would say that if you're interested in signing up and getting some games in with IACP, I would think the first week of the league would be your last chance and best chance to try and ask anyone at the IACP Discord or Slack channels uh, about inquiring for late signups. Or getting information if you want to wait this time out and join in maybe the next time. We also have an ongoing signups for the IACP Beginners League, which will start once a certain number of players have signed up. And again, those can be found at the I Imperial Assault Challenge link mentioned above. And you can stay connected to IACP through the IACP Discord and Slack channels. A few more important dates coming up. The next IACP map rotation will be March 14th, about a month and a half away. And the spoilers for IACP Season 8 will start releasing two weeks before the official playtest begins. And those releases will start on April 10th for the, uh, again, the teasers. Okay, so that covers our announcements for the current time being. And next we're going to go to the comms chatter where we take a look at uh, some viewer feedback and comments from the last episode of the podcast. And just go through them here. So we had Dylan McGill comment on the last YouTube video, the episode we talked about agenda cards, and he said completely agree regarding deplete cards being the first priority and the side missions being not worth the influence. Since we never use the Imperial side missions ever, basically, uh, my custom mini campaign has the removed side mission agenda cards become a new deck entirely, which late in the campaign, the Imperial randomly draws two and picks one as the last mission before the finale. So, uh, Dylan, thanks for the feedback and, you know, uh, chiming in there. I think it's really cool that you've come up with a custom campaign um, and kind of found a use for a mechanic that a lot of people don't see a lot of use out of. I like the idea that you have four to six uh, agendas that aren't going to get used in the campaign, so you just shuffle them up and say, here, you get one for free near the end as an Imperial side mission. That would have been good for the uh, campaign design, I would say. Uh, Erkman, did you have any anything you want to add on that or any notes on agenda cards from you? Nope, I know nothing about the game. <laughs> well, I <laughs> hope you know something about the game, otherwise... <laughs> I, I know enough to offer a, a casual take, which yeah. is what I'm here to do. Alright, great. Um, well, next we're going to go over to the rules questions of the week. And we're going to look at the best rules question asked this week in the community. So over on the Slack channel, I've pulled up two here. And the first one I looked at is actually something I posted over on the Slack. And it was, when you have the Tusken Raiders, uh, do the elites get the plus one damage on their Tusken Cycler ability? Uh, can they use command cards or Imperial class cards during the campaign, during the attack? Uh, so the reason we look this up, we can pull up the Tuskens, and I did specify I'm asking about the non-IACP versions of these cards. So if you look at the Tuskens, they do get an innate plus one damage normally when they attack, and they have a regular melee attack. 
Their Tuscan Cycler ability is an action to perform a ranged attack using a blue and a red dice. You cannot use abilities during the attack. And my question was basically, what what means abilities? Can I not use my search abilities? What about the innate plus one? Uh, can I throw in a command card during skirmish or an agenda card or a class card during campaign? And uh, Noah actually was one of the one to pipe in here and uh, basically pointed out that every... Every word on a card is an ability, essentially. So that actually means that for these Tuscan Raiders, these you can't use Surge abilities on the attack, you do not get the innate plus one, and you cannot use command cards or anything else on the attack. So essentially, it's a very, very weak attack. You're just rolling one red, one blue dice, cannot add accuracy through Marksman or any command cards. You just... You don't even get the plus one damage. It's uh, kind of a very underwhelming card. And it made me kind of appreciate a little more the IACP retrain of this card. Uh, the main difference here is that the Tuscan Cycler is a ranged attack using one blue and one red die. Uh, it does not have the text about not getting the abilities. And you actually apply plus two accuracy to the attack results. So these guys are rolling a little better. They get the plus two accuracy, and that's kind of all I thought it did before. But really, they're also now getting the plus one damage, the ability to use surges, and you can throw in command cards and everything, which adds so much more ability to that gameplay. Especially when you combine it a card, combine it with something like Judlin Terror, which is their command card for the Tuscans. Maybe I spelled that wrong. Yeah, the Tuscans have a command card called Judlin Terror. You can use it at the end of the round to have a Tuscan or Bantha Rider to gain two movement points and interrupt to perform an attack or an action. Because they can perform an action, they can also use their Tuscan Cycler. And that performs the attack. On the regular ones, though, that is still a very weak attack. But on the Imperial Assault Continuity Project version, uh those attacks are a lot stronger in a lot of ways, so it makes Judlin Terror a better card. We had a second question here about Endless Reserves. And the question here was, can you use Endless Reserves to summon Iden Versio from the dead next to, D next to Dio, the companion? Or is Dio not a part of Iden's group? So Endless Reserves pulled up here is the card from General Weiss, and General Weiss can use it to, as an action, choose a defeated friendly trooper and place it in an empty space adjacent to another figure in its group. Then shuffle this card back into your command deck. So normally, if you imagine a group like Stormtroopers, and you use Endless Reserves on the Stormtroopers, you could just take one of the defeated ones, put it next to one of the ones that is still in the group, and as long as the entire group of Stormtroopers is not entirely defeated, you'll still have one on the map to place another one next to. This plays very similar to a card called Reinforcements, which is a one-time use. Use at the start of the round to choose one of your defeated troopers with a cost of three or less. Place that figure adjacent to any other figure of its group. Now the difference with the Weiss card, Endless Reserves, is that it does not have that figure cost restriction. And because of that, we had a question about Iden Versio. Um, so Iden Versio is a 7-cost unique figure in IACP. She's very strong, and if she gets taken out, she does have a companion called Dio, who starts on the map with her. And the question was whether you Dio basically counts as a part of her activation, part of her group, and whether you can redeploy Iden as long as Dio remains on the map. 
So if we look at the ID-10 Seeker Droid, it's at the start of the game. You put the Dio Companion into play in your space. It activates at the start or end of your activation and is not counted for the purposes of control. So the, the answer here is essentially no. Uh, Dio is not considered a part of a of Iden's group. It is its own companion. And the, the bestly worded answer here is a group is defined as all figures that correspond to a single deployment card or hero sheet. Companions can be associated with another group, but are not part of that group. So even though Dio kind of gets summoned by Aiden and is allowed to activate only because Aiden starts or ends her turn, uh, it does not count as a part of her group. And the answer did note that there is one exception being squad upgrades. And this is a new card type introduced in IACP. It adds a new figure to an existing group as an attachment, uh, like the Z6 Trooper, the Mortar Troopers, or the Flame Trooper. And these guys are, they have one special set of rules in the IACP, IACP document. They actually do count as part of their original base group. And that is really the only way to add to an existing group. Okay, next we move on to games we've played. Uh, Brandon, do you want to talk about maybe any recent experiences with IA or anything you might have played recently in this game? Uh, we talking board games exclusively? Even uh, though I really haven't played any of those recently. No, we're, we're talking about uh, Imperial Assault, maybe whatever the last game you played here was. Uh, uh, I think I've only played against you. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was a resounding domination for you. Okay, so nothing specific you want to call out from that match? I don't remember much about it. If you remember, maybe you can jog my memory, but uh, I I don't know. you remember anything? I do remember the last time we played, we wanted to crank out a couple of games. Uh, and the first game, you decided to go half smugglers and half... Jedi Force users. Uh, and I learned that was a very bad idea very quickly. <laughs> what was your experience with that? Um, I, I, I heard people saying that Han was amazing, and if I'm not mistaken, Han only has the original official version, no IACP version. Right? Right, so Han has his original version, but we also had a card for him called Rogue Smuggler. This came out in... I think either Heart of the Empire or Tyrants of Lothal. I think it was Heart of the Empire. Uh, that's the one that gives him a few extra bonuses. So he gets to, he gets a reroll, he gets an end of round attack, and he gets to use return fire even if he gets hurt. So just added to his versatility as a high damage dealing unit. Uh, and it also lowered his cost by two. So he went from 12 points to 10. And this is one of, like, Han with Rogue Smuggler is one of the hallmarks that IACP uses to balance their units around. Mm. Yeah, I remember running him, and what else was I running? Uh, you had Jedi Luke. Ah, yeah, I wanted a bunch of cool uh, rebel figures, and I quickly learned that the uh, the command deck is essential, and if you start losing cards that, uh, if you start losing activations that require certain command cards, and then those are dead cards, and Things just got really bad and really depressing really fast. Yeah. Um, 
your full list was uh, it was Luke Skywalker Jedi, Ahsoka Tano, the IACP version that cost a point less, and then you had the IACP version of Jin Odon. Yeah, I did runner. And you had Han Solo, and that kind of rounded out your list with the Rebel Care Package, you know, R2-D2 and Friends. Uh, I kind of remember that match I played against you using, what was it, HK, not HK-47, HK Assassin Droids. And I brought them into Empire to give them extra attacks with the Emperor, give them General's ranks for more movement. Um, and I also brought General Soren. And I remember being able to get off a stun onto Han Solo so that you couldn't use any of your return fire abilities. And maybe that's why you didn't remember Han so much, because he, he kind of got a few hits in and then kind of stood there and took a lot of punishment. Yeah, he was, uh, what? What is he after the point decrease? Like 13? Uh, General Soren is... Uh, is Han. F- oh, Han. Han is 10 points with, okay. with the decrease. It was a dead 10 points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, because with Soren I was able to stun your guys. Um, and then we decided to run it back. And, and I think I changed my team to the... Was it all Jedi? We both changed our team. I decided to go with uh, Scum Force users, and you decided to go with all Jedi. You said, I'm going to cut out the smugglers. You, you threw in a few other Jedi, so let's look at Rebel Force users. I think you brought Yoda the second time around. I brought Yoda. I brought uh, Davith, I think his name is. Yeah, you did bring Davith. Uh, you might have brought Mara Jade, too. Yeah, I think I brought her. Yeah, and you were trying uh, to... I think you did get to use her fast learner ability once or twice to get uh, an extra command card from, like, Luke Skywalker or Davith. I hear she's amazing, and I see occasionally that she's amazing, and every time I use her, she just fizzles out. But that's that's probably more my ineffectiveness in piloting the team rather than the team itself. Yeah, I mean, you, ha- you have played a fair number of games throughout your time. I think just the... You know, lack of keeping up constantly with it. Um... You saying I should be better? <laughs> no, I'm saying, you know, <laughs> don't sell yourself too short, you know? Um... I do think the second game was a, a lot closer. It was. I think I lost, like, all of my Force scum users. Like, I remember feeling like the second game, I feel like I have lost. I remember feeling I, like I had won most of the game up until, like, the last round or so. Yeah, I think I got a perfect roll with Dr. Aphra near the end on oh, either your Luke I, or something. And I got a perfect set of attacks with Shyla or Mara to finish off your other units. And I was like, well, that was the rest of my brain power. That was my peak of IA, and I still couldn't cut it. Interesting that I can't find anything. Maybe it's because I cut out everything there. Um, but it was very close. You shouldn't just sell yourself short on that. And I, I rolled like six or seven symbols on a Dr. Aphra attack, which... Yeah, I couldn't believe a four-point... I couldn't believe a four-point figure could do so much damage. I, I it, it was very lucky for me. I think the point in my attack was actually just to, like, do one damage and play opportunistic, if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and just stay closer to an objective, and I kind of had a free action. I didn't expect to do six damage on you. Yeah, it was a ton. I think after that attack, I was like, okay, that was the game. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, recently, on my end, I continued a campaign I'm doing with the people on the IACP Discord. And we did the second mission in the Edge of Oblivion campaign, which was a custom campaign put together by Noah. And we did the second mission. I lost the first one as the Imperial. I'm running the Hut Mercenaries deck. And in the first mission, I had managed to get bounty tokens to kill off uh, Varina and one of the other heroes, Loku. So the issue with that was going into mission two, my wanted dead card and my nowhere to hide, which were very powerful tools to do more damage, could only affect the enemy, the other guys. It could only affect two of their heroes, Onar and Gerard. Now, Onar was fine, uh, but Gerard built as a tank. He built as a tank, and he became very hard to kill. And throughout the second campaign mission, it was the one from the Bantha Rider pack. Uh, luckily, it gives you a Bantha Rider in the middle of the mission, and it kind of does this thing where instead of limiting the number of turns the Rebels have, it spends the first half of the mission with you as the Imperial trying to hold them off from getting to an objective. And the longer you do, the more snipers you get. And then at the end of, like, halfway through the mission, when all these triggers go off, you spawn a Bantha Rider, and then all of these Tuscan snipers from off of the map start shooting at the heroes. And instead of having a round limit, what it is it is at the end of each round from then on, uh, you get to roll a blue dice for each sniper, and it does that much true damage, just does that much damage to one of the heroes. And I remember Gerard had 12 health, but he has... Uh, he has a, a weapon upgrade that lets him add a block once per round. I think it's called High Impact Guard. He has two weapons, and his hero ability lets him exhaust those weapons, so up to twice per round he can add a block or evade of his choice. And he rolls a black die, and he has an upgrade card to just add one defense. So he was, in, you know, insanely able to tank shots. You know, he could easily have four, five, six defense on an attack if he wanted to. So I... Decided that instead of just trying to take on all the other heroes and, you know, slowly win the mission without my abilities, I wanted to kind of reset the bounty tokens for later in the campaign. So I went straight for Gerard. I said I can take care of Onar later, I'm going to go for Gerard. And then the Bantha Rider shows up and he has a lot of abilities that allow you to do damage without going through defense. He steps on people and does a damage, he can stampede next to them for a red dice of damage. And the snipers, I just, I got three of them when the Bantha Rider spawned. And I just had all three of them shooting at Gerard at the end of each round. And at... like a... go no, ahead, keep going. I was, gonna... I was just going to say, sounds like a, a bad time for the uh, the rebels. You would think, but I would put in like three or four attacks as an empire and only do one to two damage to the hero side, because hmm. all of it was getting absorbed by Gerard, and Gerard had other class abilities that would allow him to recover and to move without spending actions on resting or moving. And Now, was he the only one you could hit, or...? Oh, I could have hit Verona, I could have hit Loku, but they're starting to get a little more defensive. And the issue is, the Jabba's Realm Hut Mercenaries class deck I picked has a card called Wanted Dead, you start with it, and essentially, once per round, you can exhaust it to add a damage or surge to an attack, but only if you're attacking someone with a bounty token. Okay. And then I have a card called Nowhere to Hide, where you can exhaust this card when you attack someone with a bounty token. You can see through figures for the attack, and you add a blue dice to the attack. 
Okay. So all of my abilities were focused on hitting these guys with bounty tokens. However, the way bounty tokens work is once I defeat a hero, they lose the bounty token. And it's persistent throughout the campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll just say now I did defeat Onar once and remove his bounty token during the mission. So now Gerard is the only one with a bounty token, and the only way to get my class abilities to work on everyone else is to defeat Gerard, and then everyone... Then no one will have a bounty token, and that is when everyone gets a bounty token. Okay, so you're basically funneled into attacking him. Either funneled into attacking him, or just wasting my class deck. Makes sense. So I was like, let's put all of this true damage on Gerard. I knew I was going to lose the mission, but if I could just injure Gerard... It would be a victory for me. I could go into the third mission a lot in a better place. Did uh, you get your personal victory? No, I got him down to one health at the end of a round, and then he went first in the next round and double healed and was at 11 out of 11 HP and also somehow ran halfway across the map. And uh, these are rebels playing with uh, all official stuff? Like no, yes, uh, there's, there's no IACP campaign stuff or anything like that. Sounds like I need to run Gerard the next time I play. <laughs> uh, you know, we tried to get a game going a few days ago, uh, and I, I said, let's play IAC, or let's play Imperial Assault. We have the Java campaign we started. Part of that is because I remember that I picked Gerard for that uh, app campaign, and I wanted to mm -hmm. continue it and get to where you know the other heroes were in this campaign and get some of that defensive tech. Gotcha. However, I did end the mission as a loss. Gerard is still running around free. I can't get him down. Uh, I could have gone... I had 4 XP, and I could have chosen Most Wanted, which is like the assassinate of campaign. Mm -hmm. So it's exhaust while you attack a hero to apply plus 2 damage, and if it has a bounty token, apply plus 1 more. So it's 3 damage to a bounty token person. Nice. But I decided instead, like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to focus on Gerard as much. You know, I need to kind of try and win some games. <laughs> so I went for Guild Hunters, which is the other level four. And this also helps me take out Gerard, though. So Guild Hunters is whenever you deploy a scum figure, that figure becomes hidden. And I've been using, as my open groups, a lot of hired guns and Jawas. And I'm going to continue doing that. So they're all going to get a free hidden. Um, so that's an extra surge. And then all Imperial figures gain surge for hide, surge for pierce 2, and surge for plus 1 damage, plus 2 accuracy. So if you play, like, mostly scum figures, that might end up being more damage than most wanted, like, once per round. Yes, uh, not only that, but if you take certain scum figures with certain surge abilities, weaker surge abilities, adding in these other surge abilities becomes insanely better. Uh -huh. So you take Gerard, who gets plus one block and eight, can add a bunch of blocks. Well, now, all of my figures have surge for Pierce 2. Even the lowly Imperial Officer. Even the hired gun that is, you know, doesn't have a surge for Pierce 2. Or a surge for damage 2. Or if I oversurge, I now have a surge for Pierce 2 on top of my surge for damage 2 on stronger units. Or if Yeah, you've... that's actually amazing. Basically, you can cover whatever like surge weaknesses you have with uh, all the options you could ever want. Yeah, um, going into the next mission, it's like my weak cheap units that I'm going to spawn a lot of. 
now have surge abilities that cover for a lot of their shortcomings. So like a classic example with the Imperial Officer is you can surge for plus one damage, or you could surge for the accuracy to hit. Mm. Well, all my Imperial figures now have surge to plus one damage and surge for plus two accuracy. Yeah, um, but that's on one search. Yeah. So it's a damage accuracy surge, which I think is insane, especially for the hired guns and the Jawas. Mm. So I, I'm going to hope going into the third game that there's a little difference here. I also looked ahead and I know that the third mission is based on the Imperials completing an objective and taking out things with defenses and health. Hmm. So I'm going to be less worried about taking out Jared next turn. But you still need to defeat him to regain all of your bounty tokens eventually. Right, right, which I think I might need to do for the last mission. Uh, just the way that that's going to play out, I think it'll be impossible to win without wounding him. Mm. But um, for now, at least, I can try and get a leg up, get a little more power going into the final mission. Yeah, it sounds like an interesting battle to overcome. Yeah, I also uh, got agenda cards and finally had enough to grab one of the cards I wanted, so I got Weakness Revealed. And if you remember, Brandon, the last time we played a campaign uh, with you and our other friends, this is the one that when you guys had three players, I would play it on one of you guys when you had two activations. Oh, yeah. And for the entire round, you would have minus one to attack and minus one to block. Yeah, it was a pretty brutal card. And uh, I remember you saying that it's very disadvantage, uh, words, disadvantageous to uh, play three heroes instead of four. On one hand, it's it was true for this card specifically because, you know, now instead of one of your activations getting weakened on your attacks, two of your activations were weaker because I would get to play it on the guy that you chose to have two activations next round. Mm -hmm. And secondly, um, just the fact that you only I only had three targets I had to take out, even though you had more health, uh, distributing the damage, I could focus more attacks on one unit, and with one unit having minus one to all their blocks, you know, that's a full round of attacks you're taking, and you're one of the three characters keeping up the whole team. So that is why Weakness Revealed was disadvantageous for you to only have three people. But in general, uh, we, we've had a few episodes where we talk about campaign, and I'm of the opinion that bringing a Donkey Mule support character is better, because you get better scaling for your credits at the end of each mission. You can also send more heroes in more directions. But if you bring a Donkey Mule kind of support character that you're never going to spend money on, is not going to do too many attacks... Is still handing out candy and extra actions to the rest of the team, but can also go do all the objective actions and run around in a different direction and, you know, do what they need to. Um, having that character to take care of business fixes a lot of the weaknesses of the three-player setup. Mm. Definitely need some support, man. Yeah, that's that's what I would say if we ever did a three three-player campaign, just have a fourth hero. It's always worth it. Uh-huh. In my opinion. I know uh, some people think there are some missions where three heroes is actually more advantageous. Is that a very select amount? Or, like, can you count them on one hand? I think it's overall better to have four, but there are some missions where three would be better. Uh, and I don't know 
the entire list of missions in and out. Hmm. I mean, there's a lot that I haven't played in, in campaign yet, so I hope to get to that one day. Yeah, if anything, this game has a lot of value. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but I think we can bridge over to our main topic now. So this is an idea I pitched to have for this episode, where it would be great to get the community acquainted with the view of someone who's casually played IA and on and off throughout all the years, and has seen the IACP project, played with it a few times, but doesn't generally involve themselves or immerse themselves in the community, uh, isn't one of the active voices here that we hear all the time, but maybe sometimes will vote on a forum or read something and have an opinion about it. Uh, I like to think of this as like the silent majority. A lot of people out there may know of this, but not put in the time and, you know, the effort of being a vocal voice in the community. Some people might even play it at their home tables and not not report to the rest of the community about it. Uh, so we can get the outlook of someone who enjoys the hobby, but isn't a hardcore fan of this or IACP, and maybe presents some new ideas from their fresh perspective. Uh, so, yeah. Brandon, you ready for the hardcore questions to come at you? Yeah, let's go. I've, I've got a lot of rage to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> you have had a lot of frustrating matches, I can tell you that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so how did you get into this hobby? What was your experience with IA? What has it been like in general? You know what? IA was actually my my foray into board games. My very first board game that I bought with my own money was IA. And I wasn't even a really a huge Star Wars fan. It was mostly the fact that uh, I got a sense that I was interested in the dungeon crawl genre. And... Uh, uh, you know, you know when uh, me and you play, I I usually prefer playing in person because I'm really in board games for the miniatures. I like seeing a bunch of dudes on a map, and you know the the toy experience is a really big draw for me. So when we play online, you know it kind of depletes half the joy. But uh, yeah, I it was a miniatures game, and I got into it, and I'm actually the reason you got into it. Yeah. Because uh, I sold off my copy to you to pay for Kingdom Death, which is now collecting dust under my couch. But that's a different story. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Um, yeah. yeah, you did that eventually, but we had played many games before that. We've been playing since, what, six or seven years ago? Five years ago? Yeah, I got Kingdom Death in 2018. I think I sold you the game a little before that. But, uh, I actually recall, yeah. um, I think late, I think you got it before 2018. I think, oh, way before. I At think least I agreed to buy your, your collection in late 2017. And that was after we had stopped playing it for about a year. Mm. So I think you've, you've had it for a little longer than that. Yeah, I got it at some point in college, which was well before 2018. It's been a while, and I think it was still sitting at my house for how long? Like another year or yeah, so? Yeah, I did not have the space to buy from your collection, but I, I wanted to secure the spot. Didn't want you to get rid of it, because I had grown to love that game that you introduced me to. Yeah, and I did love it at one point, too. Yeah, at one point, I was foaming of a mouth to get uh, PvP matches in, and now you'd always be down for a match, and uh, the thought of it just drives me in the other direction. Uh, it's funny, the... The when we started, I always wanted to play campaign with you, and you always wanted to try and get me into skirmish. 
And nowadays, it's, like you said, it's the complete opposite, but you're usually the more competitive person in games, and I'm usually the more cooperative, uh, leaning person. But in this, this one specific game, we've leaned in the opposite directions here. Yeah. And uh, for a myriad of reasons, which I would love to go on about whenever that section comes. <laughs> well, we're, we're definitely getting there, so... Let's uh, let's start with, there are a lot of, or let's go on to talking about the different ways to play IA. So there's a lot of ways to play the game, from campaign to skirmish to in-person and online. You've expressed a preference for in-person play, uh, so which was a little harder in the past few years, of course. But yep. um, you also have other modes like the raids, you know, IACP, there's the app campaigns, four-player skirmishes... Which ones generally have appealed to you the most over your time with IA, and why? In the beginning, I really liked the idea of PvP and throwing together, you know, different teams and just going at it with another player. Uh, uh, I come from a, a competitive fighting game background, uh, specifically Super Smash Brothers and Tekken, so I, I totally... I've always been a very competitive player, but um, the the appeal of early PvPIA back when none of us knew anything regarding the meta was, you know, it, it was a a treasure trove of a uh, of uh, experience and uh, you know it, it was almost like Christmas each match. You never knew what you were going to discover, what kind of combos could be done what characters could synergize with who. And, uh, yeah, then, like any competitive game, once someone accrues a certain amount of knowledge, it's very hard to overcome that knowledge with, uh... I mean, in fighting games and video games, tech skill plays a huge part. In any board game, it's mostly a game of knowledge. Whoever's read up on things the most is generally going to have the advantage and i think we've got to a point well it's it's a surefire thing we've reached a point where you have so much knowledge of the game that it's basically impossible for me to win unless you severely handicap yourself and i don't know about iacp players but uh in the fighting game world if one person is leagues above the other person it's not very fun for either player because the player who's losing is getting stomped so bad that they can't actually see where they've gone wrong and the experienced player is winning so easily that it's not a challenge it's not mentally stimulating for them yeah yeah i i definitely get that um you know i've had that experience with you in super smash bros but that's a completely different story <laughs> yeah but on the opposite end uh, you know, I, I totally get that, and that's why I wish that, you know, I could get you and some of the other people we play with to just face off against each other and kind of watch you guys grow in that space, but, uh, it seems like, you know, you're, you're really the only one who's willing to go down that route, play against some of the others, um, because they just and don't seem as one... competitively minded. Yeah, they're, they're not very competitive, and I also have at least some sort of investment because I originally bought the game. So, obviously, I have uh, some interest. Yeah. But... And I wound up buying a corset myself to play this game, and then that's when you said you were going to get rid of your collection unless I bought it. Yep. So, rid of space. wound up with two sets, two, two corsets. 
And then I've had a couple girlfriends over time that have moved in and they're like, all right, let's go through your stuff. Why do you have two corsets? Do you need this? I'm like, oh, no, I need two copies of uh, Han Solo just in case. I, I, I totally get it. You always need doubles of the character or components whenever you want to run a multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, for the game, let me ask, since you're kind of fed up with playing against me uh, <laughs> in this game especially, what kind of game modes or experiences would you like to see added or expanded upon in a game like this? If it's impossible to solve the PvP issue without the experienced player sandbagging, I think some campaign stuff would be really fun. Maybe, uh, I don't know, epic one-shots where a bunch of players are just doing like a single mission against maybe a boss character and a bunch mm. of minions, like a, a chunk of a campaign, essentially. You know, something digestible within a reasonable amount of time for, like, your average board game night group, maybe, like, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think IA is one of those that's a little harder to get in in less time than that, unless you're going to go, uh, like, playing online on Vassal because of the setup being a little quicker. Yeah. Um, or if you just go in with the components you know you need and you can set it all up quick. Um, You know, I was talking to someone, and they actually said they were going to go to a convention and they were looking for missions that they could use as one-off missions like they want to show up at the convention pull out something for maybe two hours and introduce people to the game that are you know already kind of experienced with board games can pick up on the mechanics pretty quick and just run through one mission and have a good time i think that's a great idea i ia is a, a very very fun system and i think the whole iacp project is is genius it uh you know, anything that keeps adding on to a system and world you already love is always going to be great. The issue is, you know, and this isn't unique to IA anyway. It's, you know, a PvP setting where someone has all the cards and the other person has none. But in a co-op setting, a uh, campaign setting, I think IA is great. Of course, in most of the campaign settings, you still have the Imperial player playing against you. So it, it kind of becomes a sense of whether you want them to go all out against you or kind of play it like a narrative and give you guys yeah. a good chance of winning while challenging you. Yeah, playing uh, playing to win versus playing as like a, a D&D DM. Yeah. And I'm sure even within that space, there's probably a lot of wiggle room based on for group you're playing with. I guess it, it always comes down to uh, the chemistry of a group. What I will say is, yeah, yeah, that's that's a big point. And I know we've had some contention on what our kind of our own group's chemistry has had uh, clashing heads where no matter which path we take, it's kind of not going to make everyone happy. <laughs> but, you know, that discussion I had kind of ended in me saying, hey, maybe some of the best things you can do is, you know, like the second or third mission of campaigns in IA or maybe the fourth mission, is usually a threat level 3 side mission where the heroes have about twelve to 1,500 credits, 3 XP worth of experience cards to take, uh, and the Empire can take a 3 XP card too. And you kind of... It's quick enough to set up and do a shop phase like that. Um, that's how the mini-campaigns start. And I think like the first mini-campaign mission, or any of the side missions... 
could potentially be good as a one-off mission. Yeah. Yeah, you could just get a... I mean, I'm sure between the all the community members, you guys probably have a pretty good understanding playing all the missions. You could easily pick out the stuff that's the most uh, thematic. You, you don't even need something that's mechanically the best. W- whatever it is that's just thematically fun and enjoyable to a casual player, you know, get the biggest miniature on the board, have a giant standoff against Darth Vader and some stormtroopers. You don't have to go for mechanics as long as you capture the spectacle and the heart of it all. Yeah. But of course, IACP is uh, focused on skirmish, so I know some people that you know are deep in this game but have only ever touched the skirmish mode. So we, we have some people that are you know have their experience with campaign, but I think a lot of them have graduated to skirmish and don't necessarily want to go back all the time. Yeah. And then the campaigners get left behind. <laughs> and that, oh, So maybe that is the silent majority. It's all the campaigners that see, oh, these are cool. If only there was a way to use all these IACP cards in campaign. Yeah. Uh, make some very cool like custom scenarios with uh, Yoda and uh, all the cool stuff you guys have made. There's so much cool stuff. And uh, Oh my god, a Yoda side mission? A Yoda side mission. We're... You're with Yoda and Luke and maybe you have to, I don't know, help Yoda and Luke to, like, get Luke off the planet so that he can, I don't know, do some stuff in Episode 4, whatever happens in the plot of that. I was actually going to say, uh, maybe the you have to go in the cave where you see a reflection of yourself. Mm. And then have a Luke-Mirror match. Maybe the Rebels and Luke against uh, a stronger Luke. You know, souped-up Luke to mm-hmm. be a decent, like, sub-boss or mini-boss. I, I think that's a good idea. I've heard that, you know, it is a lot of work to design missions for this game. And I think that there are is a place to take some of the IACP characters and just kind of swap them out in existing missions. Mm. But I think uh, at the same time, there is room to design some missions and say, hey, let's put an IACP character in here. Yeah, this even is if a one-off poorly, side mission. Yeah, even if it's poorly tested, you know. You have an opportunity to just have a sandbox of stuff and throw miniatures against other miniatures. You know, we can worry about the mechanics and the balance later, as long as everybody has fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to get more specific to IACP here. So what was your introduction and first take on the IACP project? I know you, you say that it's great that they're doing this, but what was kind of your first impressions and introduction? I don't know. Was it me that discovered it first or you? I think IACP might have happened after I'd sold out the game. I think it did. I think it did. It's only a few years old, and you sold that off five years ago. Um, but I remember thinking, uh, oh, cool, these characters that never got any use are stronger. Maybe mm-hmm. I can uh, throw them in a team. And, you know, it, it opens up a whole new a whole new world of list building. You know, combinations that didn't exist before are now viable. And uh, if half of fun for you was just experimenting and trying things out, then, you know... It offers so much opportunity. So, let's lead into uh, Noah. He did want to pose a couple of questions to you specifically, and we're kind of hitting there already. So the first one was, what is your favorite thing about the IAC project and community? Mm. Seeing, Seeing new characters that weren't in the official expansions of the game, because... 
at least for me, one of the best parts when the game was still in active official development was uh, seeing what new stuff they were going to pull out of the Star Wars universe and make playable on the table. So, you know, retrains of cards are cool, but when you get, like, whole new characters that, you know, didn't have representation before, it's fun. It's fun just seeing new stuff on the board. New characters, new miniatures, new new battle plans. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of discussion in ICP that there's a fine line that they draw because they know that this is what attracts the casual audience is a lot of these newer figures, but at the same time, you know, they wanted to make IA as it exists a better game. Uh, so they didn't want to just add a thousand new things all the time and kind of reshake and redefine everything. They wanted to make also what existed good. That makes sense. But Maybe you guys can have a... I don't know. I don't know how big the community is, but... Or, I don't know how big the community is, and I don't know how you guys can easily reach the, the casuals of a silent majority. But, uh... If you could, throw in some, uh, I don't know, character polls. See what kind of characters they'd want to see in the game. Maybe try and work them into future seasons when you get a chance. Maybe not an overwhelming amount, but... You know, I mean, I know you guys are already doing a bunch of new characters all the time, but I understand it's a fine line. Well, actually, I, would, I was going to ask that later on, uh, skipping ahead of it, but what do you think would grow the IA or IACP communities, either one, whether through new content in IACP or, you know, uh, I, anything else really, even if it's not IACP related. You said one idea would be polls for what kind of characters people want to see. Yeah, I, uh, I know the original designers didn't really want to stray outside of the original trilogy, but, uh, you know, characters that are, I guess... Is it proper to say more relevant to today, like Clone Wars characters, mm. things people have been growing up with in the last uh, last decade or so? Uh, prequel characters. Um, uh, I don't know if we want to talk about the new trilogy. It's kind of a black sheep, but uh, <laughs> yeah, fan favorite characters that exist outside of episodes four, five, and six, I think would be cool for people to see and i don't know i think i heard somewhere that campaign play was the more popular form of play compared to pvp back before the icp project came out i don't know if that's a real statement but i mean if there is a sizable majority of campaign players and uh you guys want more people in the community i guess you can only reach so many that are into pvp generally a PvP player would have a much deeper commitment, would probably already be looking into online discussion, might have already found the ICP project. So with that, assuming PV play, PvP players are more hardcore, uh, I think the only way to really reach casual campaigners is campaign content, or at least unofficial ways to integrate ICP characters into their campaigns or you know whole new campaigns revolving around these new characters mm. yeah i think that's some good insight i i don't think you know we necessarily have to reach out and get everyone we can scooped up but i think if we did want to grow this community 
Um, it might be good that a good way to do that would be finding a way to incorporate some of these IACP cards into campaign. Whether that be officially through IACP or outside of it, because I know it's a lot of work for the, the steering committees already. I don't think designing new campaign missions is something they're going to throw on the docket. But yeah, uh, maybe if a community member did this and wanted to put it out, you know, and wanted to put it out there for people to try out, that would be a way yeah. to get people in there. Yeah. Or maybe uh, some form of PvP where uh, a bunch of players can work together against an AI, maybe controlled through some sort of randomized deck mechanism. I mean, well, we uh, have a whole episode about all of those things. <laughs> oh, oh, on my late party. Uh, you, you're actually the one that introduced me to Red Jack's Imperial Automated Emperor variant. It, it, one of those card systems. Yeah, that changed my life before I sold the game. Because back then, the co-op app didn't exist yet. So it was either deal with uh, setting up that unofficial deck system or not play the game. Yeah. And, you know, besides just the official app, there's a new app called the Imperial Commander 2. It's kind of based on both the official app and the Red Jacks version. Uh, it kind of works a lot like the official app, but it's integrated to work with all of the game's official missions. And also oh. has a custom mission builder. Oh, that's very cool. So, for instance, if me, you, and the others wanted to, you know, jump on a campaign and you didn't want me to make the Mall Tower of Death again. <laughs> um, you know, we could play against this app AI, which is like the official Imperial Assault app. And I do think it has some issues with it not being as smart as a human. So it's kind of a... I found it a little easier. Oops. Okay. But speaking of you finding it easier, I think that's a, a big thing because... Uh, when we were doing our campaign, you versus me and the rest of the guys, um, things that seemed obvious and easy and simple to you, we were tripping over ourselves trying to accomplish anything. And in fact, we at least I mentally checked out most missions because uh, it felt like the mission was over or solved for you within the first round. And after that, it seems like an impossible mountain to climb uh i went on a tangent i forgot where where this came from but uh i know i i know that the finale was kind of the epitome of that because i had won seven missions in a row and we had or six of the seven missions and going into the last mission of heart of the empire we you know you guys your morale was all crushed you're just in there like, all right, let's do this. Let's let's just get it over with. And by the end of the first round, I had taken out Shyla. She was wounded. She's trying to do the objective on the other end of the map. And um, then I summon my spawns for the next round. And you guys are like, okay, we, we could do this. I'm like, oh, the mission says I also get an ATDP. Yeah, like, that's uh... like, Yeah, like, what what do we do? We've tried so hard, and we can't overcome that thing. We're barely surviving with all these troopers. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was... We were talking about uh, the new app being too easy for you. Mm. And I think that's a, a big thing to think about, because at least for me, when I was still actively playing Smash Brothers, 
and you know when me and you were like doing games yeah. something that was like simple for me would be like rocket science to you and i think the same applies to ia like something that is seemingly easy for the majority of iacp players who are already invested in the game is mm -hmm. still a very tough challenge for the average player to climb yeah so really it, it sounds like the best way you could have fun with ia uh, would be us doing a campaign against the app in person. I think so. The <laughs> the experienced ICP players and the audience would just have to try not to uh, what's it called quarterback too much. Yeah, yeah. Which I think I can, I can kind of. I have a good ability to you know hold my tongue a bit and let people do things until until we kind of need that help. Yeah. Um, but let's let's try and. I think we got a little off topic of the original question, which was your favorite thing about the IACP project. Uh, we got a long way from this question. <laughs> um, uh, I think to recap, you said it was the new characters that they brought in. New characters, new stuff. People love shiny things. The mm -hmm. shiny new thing. Mm -hmm. And then we also touched on what you think would grow the community, and you said polls for what new characters to add to IACP, maybe missions or ways to integrate IACP content into the campaign. Yeah, a, a bigger focus on campaign, if possible. Yeah. Now, the next is another one of Noah's questions, and it's what was your what's your biggest criticism of the IACP project? Hmm. I don't know. What can I be mad at something that I don't truly understand? I mean, you have played uh, several games on IACP, uh, and you've poured through a bunch of the cards, printed it all out, and cut out a bunch to proxy it, and, you know, you've worked on some lists. You've net-decked a few things, so, you know, it could be a specific set of cards. It could be lack of attention to certain things. Uh, it could be mechanics. Um, let's see. I don't know how you all fix this, but take initiative needs to disappear. Or it needs a looking at. It's uh, <laughs> it's a very anti-fun card, especially if you're already on the down and out and you're struggling to make any sort of play. And then this person is like, oh yeah, I'm going to uh, play the game more. Take the back seat while I proceed to destroy your entire back line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, take initiative is you know a big contention of the game. It always has been. And it's, uh, I mean, there was a sub question here. What are some of your biggest criticisms of Imperial Assault overall? Um, if you want to touch on anything else there, and then we'll get back to IACP. I don't know. What do I dislike about IA? I uh, honestly, I think IA is a fine system. I think all of the issues come with uh, the human element, not anything really with the game. Uh, hmm. I don't know. What what do I dislike? Um, white dice can be kind of swingy, but I mean, that goes for any dice system, and I guess there's enough ways to mitigate it with rerolls and whatnot. Yeah, people don't like I, the dodge, but IACP in particular has worked on some anti-dodge tech without trying to overdo it. Mm -hmm. So you have card like I think uh, when I had that match against you, we talked about you had Han Solo, and I went out to shoot you to try to stun you with an HK. And you rolled a dodge. 
I did. Like, I'm an HK. You have to re-roll that. There's yeah. my anti-dodge tech. And I don't know if you remember, but you rolled a dodge again. Yeah, dodge just feels bad whether you're the defender or the attacker. If you're the attacker, it's like, well, nothing I can do about that. If uh, you're the defender, it's like, well, I didn't get a dodge. Everything else on my dice sucks. I'm dead. Well, I was I was going to actually add to that. Like, yes, that is the feeling. I guess that's the feeling for people that aren't, you know. That can be the feeling for a lot of people, and that can be the feeling for people that are... Have have not put, you know, the dozens and dozens of hours into studying. Because I don't know if you remember, but when you got the second dodge, I then played Tough Luck, which just removed your die because it had been re-rolled. Ah. And so I got the five damage done on you, or whatever it was. And at the end of the day, one of us wasn't happy. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was about to say, you know, whether I had the Tough Luck or not, either you're coming away from that attack very upset, or I'm coming away from that attack very upset. Yep. And it was like, even if the mechanics there exist to work around the dodge mechanic, you know, it's a swingy thing that can upset a lot of people. I had a recent game where I was trying to shoot down a Luke Skywalker, who the glass cannon version, farm boy Luke, and he rolled four dodges in a row. Yeah, that is kind of nutty. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm assuming there was no way around that one. Um, not in the list I had built. There's maybe one tough luck somewhere, but no one was re-rolling. Mm. It was just... It was, like, kind of tough. I needed to take out Luke in order to take out everything else and win the game. Um, I'm just, gonna assume I, you lost that game. Yeah, I think I did. But it's just like, yeah, alright, well, three or four, you know, dodges in a row from, from these attacks that should have done two, three, or four damage. Yeah, well, and I think... No, uh, continue. Yeah, it was, you know, white die can definitely can often make people feel bad one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an issue with uh, a lot of games. Things that even though mechanically and mathematically they even out and they're fair uh, for humans, you know, we have that sense of fair play. You know, even if something makes sense if it feels bad it feels bad and that feeling is gonna last way longer than the game does yeah i i will say um i think there was a or there was on noah's channel a interview with the designers of imperial assault two of the designers from way back that worked on a lot of the game's expansions and they talked about the white dice at one point and they said something about oh in our internal play testing you know, we got sick of how swingy it was, so we printed out a deck of cards that represented the white die so that we could test things knowing that only three in every 18 hits would be a dodge. <laughs> and there's other games like Oathsworn that also do that. They have these dice with uh, different sides, and I think two sides are blank on each of their dice. But you can also... You have a deck of 18 cards for every dice color, and it's like, okay... You can roll dice, and you can roll, you know, 30 blanks. Or you can flip over this deck of cards, and two out of every six of these cards will be blank. And obviously the game was built around that that you know, number of blanks, but the idea was that, yeah, you are guaranteed to eventually get the, not, the, the good side of the random. Yeah. 
Uh, same way the Gloomhaven deck system works, if anyone here has played Gloomhaven. Even you know, you that game a, gets annoying. <laughs> yeah, and they do have a variant to uh, change it from doing no damage to, I think, doing like half damage. Yeah, I've seen a couple of cards in IACP be like, oh, you can re-roll your dice, but if you do, it re-rolls to a... Um, it re-rolls to two blocks of an evade. Mm. Which... Yeah, I think it's... Uh, there is no try. So this is Yoda's card, and when a friendly Rebel Force user within four spaces rolls any number of dice, choose one of those dice and turn it to any side... On that die, convert each dodge to two blocks and one evade. So I, it, it's I, I don't know too much. The two blocks and one evade. Uh, just having two chances to dodge, I guess. Ah, uh, like a. I don't. Diana also just has a true reroll and does that. Go ahead. I don't know if you guys have discussed it, but maybe converting the dodge into something else entirely. Maybe that two blocks and one evade or. A block and an evade or something or you know something tangible i think uh, i'm assuming a lot of players have an issue with the all or nothing aspect mm. maybe if it's something that can be mitigated yeah well but, i don't know th there are ways to mitigate it there are some ways to play around it but you have to build it into your deck it's like a tech you have to put in or else you're you know, my strategy in a lot of games is to look for the enemy's black die figures and attack those first and try to get the advantage on the game by ignoring the white die figures until last. Makes sense. And then yeah. rolling my eyes when it's time to shoot those guys. <laughs> yeah, kill the things that you can guarantee a kill on and worry about the swingy stuff later. So would it be fair to say you some of your biggest criticisms of IA are the dodge, but your biggest criticism of IACP is that they haven't done anything about take initiative? Uh, when you put it like that, I don't know. It sounds... It, it sounds like making a big fuss about something very minor. I would say if I have... I, I think IA is a fun system, and if I had to think about something in IACP that bothers me, and goes for base game two, it is that take initiative is kind of a not fun card. Mm-hmm. And so much of the meta has to be built around it. And that's um, unfortunate. The card negation, negation, it's a staple. And it's a staple because it's there to stop take initiative 80% of the time. Yeah, and that's... Uh, well, how much of each deck is basically staples? Like, half the deck, uh, you have negation, you have take initiative. I'm assuming you have urgency. Yeah, there are more staples, especially in IACP. But... Uh, you, you still only take, like, I'd say four, five, or six staples that go in, like, every deck. Mm -hmm. You have your, your take initiative, your negation, your planning is a very good one, element of surprise, urgency, um, I said negation already. <laughs> and then it kind of goes from there what you want in your deck. Like, I have a lot of decks where I won't take urgency, because I'm fine mm -hmm. with the amount of movement I have. There's... Celebration, a lot of decks like taking that. I personally like cutting that for another card that does more damage. Mm -hmm. um, so, like like I said, there's like four, five, or six that everyone will take. There's a few staples that are faction-specific, and there are definitely staples that are trait-specific and character-specific. Like, if you take Luke Skywalker and you don't take Son of Skywalker, what are you doing? Yeah, I can see that. 
That's a great card. Yeah. I will ask, I guess, for you representing the IACP community. It probably wouldn't make much of a difference when a casual's playing a season player, but how do players feel about the command deck? Do you guys feel like the game falls apart if you were to try and play without command cards? Do you think they're an essential and fun part of the game? Do you think they add too much time to deck building or make the game too swingy or too oppressive? Well, I, I didn't expect to be asked uh, reverse questions here like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I obviously don't know how to do interviews. <clears throat> no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, well, as the community, I think people like the command deck. It adds a lot of strategy and a lot of depth to the game. I think the game would be a little too simple if it was just looking at your deployment cards. We would mm. probably also have to rebalance the meta like entirely because a lot of the meta is based on... Um, especially with certain characters, what cards they can use. Mm. Like Darth Vader without Brawl, without uh, Parting Blow, uh, I don't know if he'd be worth that 13 points. Makes sense. Um, you know, it does add an element of randomness, which there's a whole lot of randomness in this game. And really As a lot of it is, is trying to mitigate randomness is a lot of what the professional, like, higher-ups try to do. You know, try to be like, oh, like, there's a lot of talk in the games about, like, oh, well, I could shoot this guy, but if I shoot this other guy and I crunch the numbers here, I can guarantee a 70% chance of getting the three damage to kill, and if I don't, I can play this command card to add one damage. And it's a lot of, you know, trying to work with the randomness when it's not in your favor, or when it is in your favor, to... You know, kind of make guarantee plays. Like, kind of turning this random chaos into chess. <laughs> but I think that the command deck adds a lot to that. Because it adds a lot of the tech you need. But it does turn this into a little more like a card game, where it's going to be different each time, and if you draw the wrong card, you might not win. Yeah. A casual question. Uh, command deck of your opponent is open information, correct? I think it depends on the event. Um, hmm. I will say in, mo in competitive events, at least at some point after the event, it will be open information because you have to verify somehow that you're running a legal deck. Okay, but otherwise you can't go into a game and know what's going to be in your opponent's deck off the bat. Yeah, so the way we do it in most of our online vassal games is you will... Not know what your opponent's going to run. Um, then they just bring something and they show, you know, you play the game. And then at the end of the game, the they show the rest of their deck in the Vassal Log. Okay. So you see at the end what they had and you could verify it that way. Makes um, sense. And then in tournaments, I think you have to submit your list beforehand. Mm. Or during. And then run the same list for the entire time. But your opponents don't know what it is until after the after the event is over. Until you get them with a nice little surprise uh, kill of their best character. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, but to answer another part of your question, I think it would be good for newer players to play without the command cards. Because it adds... I know when I started IA and we did a few skirmish games, I was like, I don't want to look at these random cards that have nothing to do with Luke Skywalker or 
Darth Vader or none of these cool guys is just marksmen? You want me to think about adding two accuracy to an attack? I don't want to play like this. I just want to put some cool figures on the board and shoot each other. Even better, I want to play. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, that's another good point, because when me and you are making decks, you basically already know what's going in, what staples you need for what type of uh, what type of unit. And me, I'm like, oh boy, this is overwhelming. This is a lot of information. Mm-hmm. And uh, I build my deck poorly, then I'm already at a disadvantage. And, uh, you know, we've only got like four hours to play. You drove an hour or so. And uh, <laughs> I just want to have a good game night. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the next time we'll play without command cards and just see how that goes. Yeah. But I mean, I-, I totally understand them being like, essential and you know even adding to the game for experienced players but you know if you guys have some inexperienced friends and they just want to throw star wars characters at each other it'd be like it'd be like smash with none of the shielding or any of the tech you know no short hops just jump punch special moves oh yeah that would be a very painful way to play (laughs) (laughs) you can't get your like your um fast hops or your wave dashing Mm. Or your perfect parries. Yeah, and never mind. I guess we need to come up with another solution because that's <laughs> a nightmare. But yeah, yeah, at least for uh, you know a time management thing. Uh, casuals have no idea what they want to bring unless you like pre-build your deck for them. Yeah, that that can make sense. Um, well, getting into building lists, what kind of process goes on when you want to build something or run something? Uh, let's see. I usually have two tracks, uh, two possibilities. Uh, I know what the meta is, and I know what's really strong right now, and I want to run it because I want to have a decent chance of winning. Or, that character's really cool, I really like them, I want to run them in my deck, I am going to build around them and do my absolute best. So kind of like those two games we had last time we played. The first one was, I want to bring Han Solo, I want to bring Luke Skywalker... let's start there. Those guys are cool. Yeah. And then you you built around that. You were like, oh, Ahsoka's also cool. She also works with Luke. And uh, Jin is kind of cool. She's low in points. She works with Han. And then... And I only made these considerations because the consistency of a first game was absolutely non-existent, and I had to compromise. Well, that was the first game. I was saying... And then the second game, you switched tracks, and you went, okay, I gotta pick one theme. Force users. What's the game? Okay, is Luke still good? Yes, Luke is still good here. Now I can bring all these other Force users. And that game was a lot closer. That was a lot closer. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's uh, move on to maybe a few quicker questions here. So when we look at IACP, what have been some of your favorite releases in terms of gameplay? Of the cards. Uh... I gotta be honest, I haven't really been keeping up as of late. Um, I know I... I had actually, you know this, I made a custom Darth Maul character uh, for mm-hmm. campaign mm-hmm. way, way back in the day. I want to say like 2015, 2016. So when Maul was actually added to the game, it was really cool. I basically stopped playing at that point, but, you know, really cool, popular character I want to play. That was cool. And then IACP made him better, made him actually usable. That was very cool. Yeah, I remember that. I'm going to see if I can pull up Oh no! Custom no. Hero Mall. No? No, you don't want to share no, that no, with I, the community? 
Now you can go for it. In fact, I'm on Reddit. Let me see if I can go to my profile and go to my earliest post ever. I haven't made many posts, so maybe it's, it's here. Yeah, if you send me the link, I'll pull it up on the screen in a minute. Found it. Barely a third of a page down. Great. <laughs> Great. Uh, let's see. Now I just have to overcome my Discord demons and send this to you. <laughs> there we go. All right. Let's... Let's pull that up and bring it over to this window. So thoughts and critiques on a custom mall. And did you add in the uh, XP cards at all? Uh, no, I don't think the XP cards were up there. I think I you added a board. It looks like you added a board game geek uh, link. I did. Yep. And you've got a lot of external images here that aren't loading for me. Dead links. Yeah, there might be dead images at this point. Um, looks like someone added hero templates. Scroll down, I see a lot of custom heroes. Hmm. And oh. we actually had to make an update to this character because he was already too strong as is. Yeah, I wish we had like some of the information on you know what you changed here, but if we zoom in and just open up this image. So yeah, you made a custom wall, and I've got him his healthy side up here on the screen. Yeah, six years ago now. Goodness. Yeah, I have a... I don't know if it was the updated version or the first version, but I have a printed version of these cards. Mm, and I think like, that's the first one. You gave him a force push, uh, push a small figure within two spaces up to two spaces, and roll a blue die. It suffers damage equal to the results, and if you roll a surge, it becomes weakened. That sounds strong, and I think the issue was that you would just be like... I'm going to keep doing this like four times in a turn and then I'm going to use my actions to attack and the attacks are going to roll surges that I can use to heal and then I can use the heal to do more force pushes. He became way too abusable. And then you recover two strain at the end of your activation with premeditation if you did not attack. So you just like force push two times, heal, force push three times, uh, <laughs> then he recover two. You know, I think we had to add a once per turn restriction on that. Mm. Yeah, I think he definitely got some feedback there, but yeah, we tried to run him a little bit. I would definitely be down to run him again. In fact, uh, one of the projects I wanted to work on in secret, um, without no one knowing, was uh, working on, you know, spicing this up for you a little bit and then spicing up my own custom hero and then being like, hey, Maybe you want to add these to your custom campaign or make them custom campaign adjacent for your Imperial villains. And suddenly the silent majority would be all over the IACP Discord. <laughs> because Maul is now a character. <laughs> In fact, you guys should make Starkiller character. I love Starkiller. I know he's not canon anymore, but... I mean, come on, what's what's not to love? Let's make it happen. Oh, here's a, here's a good argument for that. Is Afro canon anymore? Wait, what? Is Dr. Afra is she even canon anymore? I don't know if uh, Disney was in control when she was released. I want to say they were. Let's see. Well, that's an open-ended question for, you know, maybe maybe you can include someone like Starkiller. Uh, let's see. Is Dr. Afra? No, she's a canon character introduced in 2015 or so. Ah, oh, darn. All right. 
Well, you know, one day we'll get you with a non-canon you guys have added, and we'll, we'll tell you to add Starkiller too. Um, but speaking, Star Killer. speaking of characters that have come out, what are your favorite releases from IACP in terms of theme? Hmm. Uh, I I think everybody here, including me, the casual, would say uh, Mando. I think Mandalorian was like the best thing that's come out of Star Wars in a long while, and uh, you guys also made his character card totally overpowered. Uh, I think I did. I manage to take a game off you with. What do you uh, mean? He, he's got he's got normal usage rates after the nerf. Uh, nerf? What are you talking about? There's just Mando here on the screen. Hmm. What's going on? That's weaker Mando. <laughs> Am I talking about Beskar Spear Mando? Yeah, you're talking about Beskar Spear Mando. We're trying to <laughs> pretend he didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was a good character. But, uh, when before he was nerfed, I would basically only run him in our games because that was the only way I could stand a chance. And you know what? It was kind of fun. I felt like with that advantage, you were also kind of sandbagging because you also weren't running mando you were running like for fun builds but uh yeah he was a nice equalizer he was fun very fun character to play uh very popular character added to the game uh i think people really liked it yeah maybe one day we'll see a season three version of mando that iterates on some of the concepts from the uh scrapped version that would be very dope yeah okay cool well um Anything else you want to see from IACP? Mm, like I said before, uh, some sort of IACP integration into campaign play or maybe uh, one-shot missions that can be played in the night. Uh, I don't know. Excuses to get miniatures on a board where us casuals won't be completely dominated by our friends who live, sleep, and breathe IA. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds... That sounds pretty good. I actually like the idea of just taking a villain mission now and throwing 3 XP on us and opening up the app and seeing what happens. Yeah, just an excuse. Because uh, I think also, well, at least for me... uh. You know, the fun in campaign really comes in when you have some XP under your belt and your character is, like, actually built. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a one-shot would uh, mitigate the time commitment and also help you jump to the point where your character is fun to play. Yeah, yeah. like I said, I think a point where, where you have the 3 XP and 12 to 1600 credits... Whatever the mini-campaign setup is for the first mission, that's really a good point where your character starts to come together. You know, poor Loku and Gideon don't get their level 4s, but, you know, it's, you still get either a level 3 or two level 1s and a level 2 or something. You still get some good character customization there. Maybe even let them get their level 4s. <laughs> you know, just, just go nuts. Find out what's fun for a group. And each group is going to differ, but, you know, more ways to get IA to the table. Sure. True that. True that. Um, okay, well, I've only got two more questions for you before we can wrap up. The hard hitters. Yeah, well, actually, yeah. Do you have any experience with any of the other Star Wars tabletop products or games, like 
the RPG game system, or Legion, X-Wing, Shatterpoint? I must say, I don't think I've ever touched any of them. I remember seeing a bunch of Armada products uh, back when I was still playing IA, and I think it was on the fence for X-Wing at one point. I am really interested in... Uh, I, I don't know what the official title of that one is. The one from... Uh, Atomic Games. Uh, yeah, the guys Shatterpoint. Do... Yeah, because I got into Marvel Crisis Protocol, and that's a fun system, and that's basically also Crisis Protocol, but Star Wars Universe and with prequel characters. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah. And, uh, part of the fun of a skirmish game like that is, uh, you know, in terms of a toy aspect, you get to build the map, you're not, like, limited to tiles. You can just kind of let your imagination run. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Not something I've played, but I have played its sister game. Okay, nice, nice. I heard you compare, like, some of the different characters there. Um, you know, getting prequel characters and that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely being a lot more... You know, I remember when they came out with Heart of the Empire, they added Ahsoka, the Emperor, and Maul. And Ahsoka and the Maul were definitely added just because, like, being in Rebels, they were technically finally allowed to put them in the original timeline as characters, but they were very popular prequel characters. Yeah, and another thing I would say is, uh, I don't know the age ranges of the players, but at least for my Patreon, in which I make, like, JRPG and fighting game models for people, most of my audience is, like middle-aged men and i would assume most icp players are probably within that range mm -hmm. and a lot of the cool characters that i guess my generation fits into we grew up with like ahsoka and prequel characters despite how you know mishandled we could argue those movies were that's nostalgic for us so a game like you know appealing to that nostalgia is cool and Maul and Ahsoka appealing to that nostalgia as well in ICP and IA was, you know, really cool. If you guys want to throw in some more prequel characters, it'd be cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would, I would be gushing if they added, like, General Grievous. Yeah, that would be awesome. There's a whole untapped, you know, untapped potential for list building. Oh, hey, maybe maybe prequel characters is what we would see in, in, in Imperial Assault 2. If that ever happens, do do people think that's happening? No, nah, I mean, I I don't think that's happening. I think they just announced something for I think Legion where they're gonna do like a more skirmish based mode. You still use measurement tools and everything instead of grid, mm -hmm. uh, but apparently it's kind of a little bit like IA. Um, I haven't really looked at that article, but they announced something for one of those games that that has a new mode coming out with pre-built lists I... or something. Did uh, Legion ever really catch on? Is there an overlap between like ICP players and Legion players? I don't know. I don't know much about Legion, except that I think that's kind of like what they decided to go with over IA when they were winding down IA. Hmm. Um, but I was trying to lead into my final question for you. What would you like to see in an Imperial Assault 2 if we ever got one? Let's see. An official Imperial Assault 2. Um... The app integration has to exist from the get-go. Um, uh, we would love to see characters outside of the original trilogy. Um, hmm. What else would I like to see? 
I don't know. Is there anything you would like to see? Anything the hardcore community would be interested in? You know, it's funny that you, you, you know, you talk about your things. You want to see new characters. You want to see, you know, app integration is a good idea. Um, but for me, I think about like, okay, if we're going to justify a sequel somehow, like from the standpoint of a designer, like we have to make a reason for there to be new, like it has to be a new game. So, you know, this would be your chance to take out, take initiative and replace that system entirely with something better, better suited, maybe change the command cards. Um, I would want to see like a new color of dice. And I, was, mm. I thought like, hey, maybe there could be a purple dice, and you know, why would it exist? Well, maybe there's a new symbol called a wild, and you could use it as either a hit or a surge, mm-hmm. and you would determine that sometime after the dice are rolled, sometime before you spend surges. So, you know, it kind of would mess with um, the opponent's defense rolls, like the opponent rolls an evade while you rolled a wild, so that wild doesn't have to be a surge, it can be another damage. Mm. That'd be kind of cool. Just something with a new symbol to add a new dice, that would be cool. Oh, I don't know, what would I like to see? Easier ways to incorporate, like, legacy characters into the campaign. Mm. Like, uh, you know... If I really like Luke, maybe I get to play with Luke, like, a couple times versus one side mission where maybe I can get him. And then if I get totally crushed by the Imperial player, then, uh, you know, goodbye favorite favorite legacy character for the rest of, rest of the campaign. Yeah, I guess a lot more of the, the you know, balancing stuff from what kind of was broken earlier in the game. Like the allied deployment rules, like you said. Uh, people have come up with a version of ally deployment homebrew where it's like okay if you spend a mission and you like win a let's say you win luke skywalker as an ally uh then later in the campaign you could deploy luke for free in a mission but you lose him after that mission so he's here to help you out the one time that would be cool that would be kind of like in mandalorian season where uh oh wait wait never mind these are spoilers in case anybody hasn't seen them. Oof. Sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, let's, let's move on. <laughs> oh, all right. I, I think that's a good good place to call it for today's episode. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> Maybe just edit that part out. <laughs> I I mean, this is all up to whether Noah listens to this beforehand. It does editing. I'll, I'll maybe let him know that you touched on a spoiler near the end. Cool. Um, I was doing so well, too. (laughs) Well, make sure to like and subscribe to the IA Command YouTube channel for more Imperial Assault content. Uh, Leave a comment for the engagement. Maybe we'll feature it next week in our comms chatter section. And check out my YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash thesecondflock. I sometimes post IA content. Uh, Brandon, thanks again for being on. People can find you over at patreon.com slash earncommand. And you do have a mall custom hero that people saw on the screen here. Anything else you want to plug? Um, no, that's it. Check me out. If you have a 3D printer, maybe you'll have fun. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks for coming on.